Hey there, leader. Today, today is June 10th. And today on Security on Tap, we're going to be talking about trust, how you earn it, how you lose it, and how you keep it. Keep it. I got you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, today we had planned, as you know, Security on Tap, we like to go somewhere in an establishment and uh, try out their taps while we have talk. But the place we went to had very loud music and a big crowd. We couldn't do it. It was too loud. So we retreated. We are at the Black Hills Bar and Grill. Yes. Uh, which is actually Black Hills Farm is uh, Randy's farm. And yeah. we're sitting on his deck having a, a shared glass of bourbon yes. and having this wonderful conversation. Yes. We were at Xander's in Dixon, but it proved quite noisy being the cultural mecca and intersection <laughs> yes. that, that Dixon is the known The center for. Of, D- of Dixon, Tennessee. Yes, yes. But we're here to talk about trust, specifically trust relating to your security leadership and how you can not well, only how you earn it, it, how you lose it, and how you keep it. Exactly. Right? we got those three things. Exactly. And I want to start, because this is one of my biggest things. I think trust is the currency of business. It is the things that make us go. If any of you ever get a chance, Bruce Schneier writes a great book about trust. Um, He's a cybersecurity crypto guy. And one of the examples in his book he gave was, is the the different levels of trust we have in society. I trust that when I pick up my cell phone, I'll be able to make a call. Mm. I trust the plumber to come to my house and fix my pipes or fix my water and not to rob me blind or or to beat me up or anything like that, right? And how these sort of established uh, models or frameworks of trust exist. And and I think that sort of applies in business today. It does. And your typical CISO, while being technically adept, is relationally can be relationally can be relationally backwards challenged is is tarted a bad word it can, can be relationally tarted i don't think you can say no. uh, but but really can, can be a bit backwards because still in the c level in the c suite the 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 cso is a reluctant add-on still um, and not really fully at the table in most places because of the relational context with the business. And that relational context, and and you'll hear this as a common theme as we go through these podcasts, is that many see the security function, your function, as overhead. Yes. As a function that they have to have, but it creates friction, it costs money, slows them down, all those words, and they don't trust you, and I'm saying they, being the line of business, not to screw up their delivery of what they've got going on. You're going to get in the way. You're going to slow them down. You're going to get in the way, and you're going to you're going to cause more uh, sand in the gears and and anchors over the side of the boat. That's going to keep them from doing what they want to do. But how you build trust is one understanding and having some empathy for the business. Um, what do you mean you know, by that? But empathy for the business. What does that look like? Give me an example of what empathy for the business looks like. Well, I I think first and foremost, do you want to work for the most secure company in the world or do you want to work for the most successful company in the world? Hmm. Well, I want to work for the most successful company in the world, right? Sure, but (laughs) that secure thing is really attractive to somebody like me. Sure, right? But 
But that's the thing, is businesses exist to make money. All businesses based on risk, and it's calculated risk. And some of the, Absolutely. so many leaders fail because when the business, they say they're ignoring the risk. No, they've just accepted it. Yeah. You just haven't accepted that they've they, accepted it. They, they've accepted it. <laughs> well, and, and there's something to be said, you know, I, and I joke half-heartedly with some people when I say this, you know, I'll say, hey, it's the business's risk to accept. So if they decide they want to go without encryption or go without firewalls, let's say, or something dramatic like that, I say, I, you know, that's their choice to make. And I'm sure my successor, once I get the hell out of here, will be happy to tell them a little bit more about it or, or process the paperwork or whatever right. back into that joke is. Because I know that I understand the risk enough, or at least in my risk internal risk model, I would say, <laughs> I don't like this, right? And so let's get back to that trust, which is you have to build trust with the business, with your stakeholders, your constituents, that you have their best interests in mind, that you actually want to get them to the place where they can get the widgets out the door, the service set up right, or whatever whatever your your business is. Yeah, and the first thing I'm going to ask you, Mr. Sizo, when you come to me as I'm in the business. I think it's is, Sizo. Is, is, that, is that what, is that what There's a big it? controversy in the world. Oh Sizo or Sizo. Yeah. Sizo. New words as they evolve over time. Anyway, the, the CSO, the career is seriously over, guy or gal. That's what it stands for, <laughs> regardless. The first thing I want to know is the business is, do you understand my business? Yeah. Do you, Mr. Security Person, understand how we may make money and how this thing works? Because it'll be so difficult for you to establish trust with somebody if you don't understand what they're facing. And that's where the empathy comes in. You understand the business and how they make money and what they're concerned with. And when you take those and then you use that as a graph overlay for your security initiatives that you want to get done, you will get far more traction if you can find where those things intersect to be able to implement yeah. your programs and do what you need to do. 100%. You know, I, I remember in a company, a few companies back, actually the one where we, yeah. one of the companies that we worked at, one of three. We've worked um, for a lot of companies. Clear, clearly together. They like, they, <laughs> <laughs> you've been fired a few times. Hey. <laughs> um, he's, he's a, hey. <laughs> I remember we, we had this head of application development and um, he would come in and we called him the Condor. Because he would come in at the, you know, as he, he had committed to a delivery date, the, the business had said, you know, just pulled a date out of the hat, June 10th. Okay, we'll try and meet June 10th. And he would come in and he would immediately try to increase his risk to make that date, right? So the first thing he would say is, hey, how, how can we compress user testing? How can we compress testing? And the reason we called him the Condor is he'd swoop in and go, compress, compress, you must compress, right? And then he'd fly away. And then he'd come back a little bit later when he didn't get enough space out of the reducing the user acceptance testing or something like that. And he'd go, do we have to do the scan? Do we have to do the security scan? And, and my answer to him was always the same. No, we do not have to. You have to get the business to accept the risk that you're going to put it out there without knowing if there's a serious flaw. Well, well, can't we do it, you know, and, and we would negotiate. And I would never, you know, and I've, and I've said this to, to people before, um, it's not the department of no. We never say no. The abominable no man. Yeah, right? Like, I, I remember starting many years ago, the very beginning of my career in cybersecurity, we had a, a cybersecurity team that I joined. They thought it was hilarious to sit in their darkened room with a badge to their door 
and people would knock on it and they would joke and say, whose turn is it to say F you to the next person to the door? And I just, I was horrified, mm. horrified mm. by the thought doing that. Yeah. I, I mean, of course you're never going to build trust there. And you're never going to get invited to the table. Never. Because of that. So that's the thing is, is in order to get invited to the table, you've got to build empathy with your business first. And when they build realize. trust. Using empathy to exactly, build trust. Exactly. If they understand, you understand me. Now I will give you 30 seconds and I will listen to what you might yeah. want to say. Which brings us to the next thing, clarity. Oh, what is one. it that you're bringing to the business very succinctly, very clearly? What is it that you need them to do? You get one pitch, you get one throw. You when, your when they say, speech. okay, yeah, you, you've got my attention. And you can grab their attention if you have clarity around the ask. If you walk in, and this is the thing I don't like to do, if you walk in with a two-page risk document. No, I'm not reading it. He, a, the leader's not going to read it. And B, they will just make it go away. So mm -hmm. the top of your, if you send a risk document that's two pages long without something on top that says, this is bad because data is unprotected or whatever it is, they'll just say, I accept it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. So you have to have that pitch. Anytime you have to do something like a risk acceptance, they've got to trust. you got to get there to build that clarity. they got to know and trust that you're telling them all the stuff you know in the most concise and direct manner possible. Well, and if you understand their business, you can have the clarity to tell them why this matters right. to their business. Right. I, I, and I'll tell you what, it's hard work. Randy alluded to the fact that, you know, a lot of CISOs will take the job because they were technical cybersecurity experts, really good individual contributors, yep. or maybe, you know, decent people leaders, but lots of technical skill. Turning that on its head and becoming the person who cares more about the business than you do about, you know, whether or not your Splunk forwarders are working or whether or not your DLP is tuned correctly, right? You've really got to take 50% of your effort has to be focused on understanding how the business works. And asking for help. You can build a relationship by asking for help yeah. that will help build that trust with the business. Well, and the vast majority of CISOs out there today were elected to their roles, earned their roles through technical prowess and competence, but they are relationally poor. And that's what's going to keep them. Yeah, they might be a CISO by title, but they're never going to be at the table for the decisions. They're never going to be elevated to a real C-level person because they lack the relational and, and um, interpersonal dynamics to work within that team to explain why this matters. The business wants somebody who can help them solve their problems to make their delivery. So when I told you about the condor earlier, when he would come to us and say, Everybody's got a condor. <laughs> How can I, you know, make my deadline? I would say, well, let's talk about this. You know, what, what's the real risk here? What's the, hey, you know what? As long as we get a, a scan done and a pen test done in the first two weeks it's live, I think we're okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's an acceptable amount of risk. It's, it's an old code base that you guys have modified not too much. I think we're good, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Or we'll do a quick pass with an automated tool. We'll call that good and we'll do parallel testing, whatever. But I would very quickly focus on getting him where he needed to be to be successful. Yeah. And 
coming, bringing that back to a simple set of criteria, three metrics. Can, can you give the business three metrics that they care about? Can you today look across before this podcast ends and say, I want the business to care about these three things. If you can't, your business sure can't. You need to get on the job and figure out what those three metrics are that you want to throw in front of the business repeatedly and and track. 100% agree. I do think, though, we have to hit the second point now, is how do you lose the trust of the business? What's the one thing to you, Randy, or what's an example, if you've got one, you're in your tenure where you would could lose the trust of the business well one when you make mountains out of molehills when you pick battles mm. that don't really matter to the business uh, I'll give you an example and please forgive me all the GRC professionals out there the business cares very little about security they care about making money right. or whatever it is that your right. company does they, they want to do it just secure enough so so they don't really give a crap about security. They give less than a crap about compliance. Hmm. What the business cares about is what's the minimum. Compliance is all about what's the minimum I have to do. In order to get through this, to right. get my product out there and going. Right, and all too often, uh, security leaders come at it from a compliance perspective, which guess what, guys and gals? It's all about the minimum. I, and I'm with you, and I can't tell you the number of times I've heard, and I think I've even said in my career, Oh, I'm so glad that they made a law, regulation, whatever about this, <laughs> because now worst. I can make them do it. That's the word. I'm going to make them do it, and they're going to do just enough. Well, you know, and sometimes yeah. it's good. You know, there is there is a little bit of security in compliance, sure. but generally I, compliance is not security, boys and girls. Right. We all and, know that. And I'm not disparaging the GRC folks out there. I'm not. But that is, is even further below security. So as a security practitioner taking the compliance route you are already losing because you're working with a minimalist mindset instead of what matters most which are again those three things you know i'll I'll give you a perfect example um pci the payment card industry um, digital security standard pci Mm -hmm. dss it's voluminous it's 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 almost like reading i don't know a communist manifesto it'll make your eyes bleed it will yeah and all the lows have to be solved, too. Not just the highs, <laughs> yes. but the lows, too, daggone it. Yeah, so yeah. you can yeah. spend a lot of time thumping that that Bible at your uh. business thing has to be done. When in reality, the business reality is is that there's a lot more give in PCI compliance than than most people are willing to admit. True. You, I mean, you get so much grace. It's all about the money. So you really have to take a step back as an information security leader or a security leader in this respect and say, you know what, we got some wiggle room, here's what happens. They might, you know, we might get a fine or we might get a delay or a name might, you know, end up on a list of people who are provisional or something like that. But there is room and you have to decide when it's appropriate to provide that. Otherwise, you're going to lose the trust of your business. And there's nothing worse than being a security pariah. The Lorax is awful. (laughs) I speak for the trees, but you're still cutting. Why are you still cutting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and again, you you take a step back when you take a a minimalist mindset with that because, again, they're only going to do just enough. And that's not what you want as a security practitioner. You want to, what's the maximum amount I can get? I get two pitches. I get two things. I can get two things accomplished. 
by golly, they shouldn't be compliance. Because with compliance, you always get a mitigating control. Yep. You always get some sort of narrative that you can supply with it of why you didn't meet it. And everybody goes, mm, okay, uh, I'll take right. that as an answer. That's fine. Right? But with security, <laughs> and if you've got you a half-decent attorney on your team somewhere, that's right, that's they're right. going to get that wording. Yeah. That, well, that's that's the other thing, too. What's the difference between an incident and a breach? A really good attorney. <laughs> yes, that's, it that's, is. That's what I'm talking right. about you, Craig. <laughs> okay. But um, pick those two or three things that the business needs to care about, articulate them clearly to the business, and then authentically give that to them on a repetitive stage and a repetitive moment to drive them to zero or a hundred, whatever that is, and that will earn you credibility. But if them. you don't, you will lose it. Yeah. You will become, I called it a pariah, but you will become a person a, a, you know, a person standing alone in the field wondering where everybody went. And instead of, well, I have to talk to Jim every quarter. I want to talk to Jim every week. So, I want to talk to Jim because we've got this new product we're launching. I want to talk to him. Let's move into phase three of this discussion, which is how you keep it, right? So you've got, I believe, and Randy, you, you correct me if I'm off base here, but I think you, as the security leader, have to build relationships, lasting, trusting, real relationships with not just all your stakeholders, but pick a couple. Yeah. Right? And and you pick the ones you like, hopefully, right? I've, I've had tremendous success with, you know, matching up with people in legal or in human resources or somewhere else that I genuinely like, right? Yeah. Genuinely spending time with the whole bit and say, how can I help you? If you're... First thing out of your mouth when you talk to your stakeholders isn't, how can I help you? You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or, I know we haven't talked since last year when we did PCI. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time to do PCI this year. Or high trust, or HIPAA, or SOC. Like, whatever it is, right? Those are the things that drive... We're, we're going to do it again. We're going to come back to this next year. We're going to come back to this next quarter. Maintaining the relationship which means you are getting out and getting to know them in a way that's beyond just security stuff, which makes all of the introverted people within security, which is a, a majority, of, and again, I'm, I'm stereotyping, right. I'm not saying everyone, vast majority are technical people who don't like talking to other people. Yeah, people I'll text you, I'll text you. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll email you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking back about a time, you're uh, one of your old bosses, he was uh, of the organization where we worked together. He was uh, our chief data officer. Oh, yeah. And he and I had a good relationship. And it was one that he and I, he was doing it to me and I was doing it to him. We were both keeping that relationship good because we recognized that supporting each other was beneficial to us and to the organization. Yeah. And I remember during one incident, doesn't matter what it is, but during one incident, he came to me and he said, the business has been resisting getting rid of this this crappy legacy system for two years, I think we can use the incident to do it, and I think it helps the business. And we talked back and forth. We brought a couple other people in. They said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Right? So we used it, and it was gone in two weeks. They'd tell us it would take six months to wean ourselves off system. We got rid of it in two weeks. Vic Duggan. That's why it got, that's oh, why yeah, it got yeah. taken out. Vic, if you're out there, this one's this for is, you, brother. This one's for you, buddy. You are the man. Yeah. But, but yeah, and, and you, um, you can use incidents like that where you can get some good. You can take some of your own internal stupid 
and turn it into some action that can turn into some real value to the business. Yeah, I, I think you can. And just be mindful. You know, if you find yourself spending all day, you know, reading dark reading or, or diving deep into Splunk logs or trying to figure out why your indexers are working, your time is in the wrong place. Yeah. At least half of your job, and I'm saying this is the minimum for compliance, the minimum amount is 50% of your time is about building and keeping trust. Hmm. If you're not doing that, then you're losing it because they just don't see you as an important piece unless you're there to help them. So Mr. and Ms. Mrs. Sizzo, 51% of your time is relational with the business. At least. At least. If you're a compliance person. <laughs> Sorry. But 51%, that's your minimum number. Let your team, the people that you've hired, the good technical folks that you have working for you, do those other things. And you get in front of the business, about the business, and the business will then, in turn, invite you back to the table. And I will add this one last piece, and I don't think we stressed it enough. We did in the beginning, but I'm going to say it again. You must have their best outcome in mind. If you do not, there is no trust. There is only use with a fake plastic smile and them going, is this meeting over yet? Yes. Trying to think of ways to dodge your meeting. Yeah. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Sizzo either existed or seem to be. Um, this is about trust. This is about building relationships. And I hope it's helped you. Yeah. I hope you reach down and recognize it being maybe a little bit vulnerable, reaching out, asking the, the, the sometimes the question you know the answer to just to help build that trust. Really important. Well, I'm Randy Fields. I'm Jim Desmond. And this has been Security on Tap. And you guys keep, keep leading.